Welcome back, all of you beautiful people, to Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we discuss polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, communication, neurodiversity, kink, and all of the wonderful things that we think go into making a healthy, loving relationship. Yes, absolutely. Hey, twin, what are we going to be doing today? The same thing we do every day, my loves. Try to take over the interwebs. Well, all right, everybody, welcome back to BDSM 103 now, I think, <laughs> um, as we get into everything today, as I've teased you guys with in the past, we have a very special guest. He is the title holder of the Mid-South Kink and Leather, sir. Did I say that correctly? You said that correctly. Perfect. He's <laughs> also a member of an organization of uh, the organization in Memphis called Hoist. Well, actually, I'm a member of a different leather club. Oh, okay. I'm a, yeah, I'm a member of Tennessee Leather Tribe. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. Which is the oldest leather club in Memphis. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, with that said, Dan, why don't you please educate us about all of these things and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you. Uh, my name is Dan Schaefer Smith. I'm the reigning title holder for Mid-South Kink and Leather Serve, which I won in 2019. But due to COVID, uh, we have not been able to have my step down or step aside where I sash a new winner, but that will happen this October. So that Hoist, who organized the contest, put it together, created it, came up with the whole concept, graciously uh, asked me if I would continue on as the title holder through all of this uh, COVID and everything. And so I became the title holder for 2020 and then again for 2021. Uh, I'm uh, associated with Hoist simply because I am the title holder of a contest that they organize. And I'm very good friends with a lot of those members. And actually, my husband is getting ready to pledge Hoist. So Ooh, he will, yeah, so he will be uh, uh, pledging to become a member of them. But I'm, I'm a t member with Tennessee Leather Tribe. Uh, I've been in the kink community for over three decades here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I am married. Um, we just had our fifth wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and we are also uh, polyamorous. Uh, so we are um, very open in our relationship. We're both into leather. And uh, like I said, I've been in the leather community here in Memphis for over three decades. And my husband um, became part of the leather community because of me. <laughs> I sort of introduced him, uh, trained him as a boy. Uh, and then he sort of has come into his own as a sir now. So um, we, uh, like I said, are, are polyamorous. We have a poly relationship. And uh, as of right now, we do have a boy. So there are three of us in the relationship. Uh, we did have four, but uh, unfortunately, one is no longer with us. I definitely understand that. And I love, <laughs> thank you for telling us about the background. We have a lot of intersectionality between being polyamorous ourselves and, you know, being in the BDSM and kink world. Obviously, we have different experiences to yours, but I love all that background. And you've been in uh, the, the scene for 
three decades, like I said, over yes. three decades. You yeah. have seen a lot of changes probably throughout that time. Uh, wow. Yes. To say, yes, that that's an understatement to say that there have been a lot of changes within the uh, within the leather world, within the uh, kink world, uh, within the world of BDSM. There's been just tons and tons of changes for various reasons uh, since I entered into the community, uh, officially entered into the community in 1989, uh, even though I had an interest in leather and kink even prior to that. But eight, 1989 was sort of my official introduction into the world of world of leather here in Memphis. Love that. Love that. And one of the things, you know, when we were doing some background on hoist and a lot of, you know, the gay leather scene while we were preparing for this interview, so we could be a little bit more educated, is I love that the tagline for hoist is uh, a new guard leather club honoring old guard traditions. And I think that that spells out a lot of what we want to talk about today very well in a very, you know, simple, easy to understand manner. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I admire them uh, so much, and I admire that they are wanting to honor the old guard ways, uh, right. as well as you know being progressive and moving forward as things do. Uh, having you know that foresight to be able to honor some of the older tra traditions while implementing those into the new guard right into uh, the new guard way it's it's a constant evolution and you know twin and i talk about this a lot on our you know TikTok videos and lives and things like that you know so many of us came up either like myself you know kind of came up through the new guard way as bdsm and the scene was evolving but many of my mentors or people that i worked with early on came up old guard and so they have a lot of background and history and traditions with that um, part of the lifestyle so it's been interesting for me at least to see how that's changed even over the last you know 10 20 years as opposed to you know someone like you who have seen it evolve probably multiple times throughout those three decades <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. Yes, uh, I have. Uh, I was introduced into leather very much under the old guard protocols, and uh, that's near and dear to my heart. And just to see a lot of that disappear for a while was very difficult for me as a leather person, leather man, uh, to see some of those wonderful traditions just sort of dissolve into thin air because we did lose pretty much a generation of men that would have been like me, the ones to pass along that information to the younger generations. Right. And we'll we'll get into that here in a little bit, because I want to make sure that we, you know, go over th everything kind of in a, you know, easier, to, you know, like Tier mentioned, an easy to process way. But yes. I wanted to start with, of course, like how, you know, I know we talked about it, but how did you specifically get into the BDSM and leather community? Well, yeah, I know we had talked about it uh, in an earlier conversation. so. My fascination with leather began because I'm 58 years old. So 
for me, the beginning of it was seeing Glenn Hughes of the Village People uh, when they hit the scene in the late 70s. And I, as a young teen, just was like, wow, that guy in the leather is so hot. And that just really pulled me even further because I knew I was gay at that time. Might not have been putting a title to it, but I knew it was, you know, I knew I was attracted to men and wanted to be with guys instead of uh, girls. And so <laughs> village people hits the scene and you've got all these hyper masculine men, you know, the leather man, the cop, the cowboy, the Indian, you know, the army guy. And I really did get drawn to Glenn Hughes simply because of the leather. Then as I entered my freshman year of college, um, one of the first people that I met was a guy from New York City. And I went to college here in Memphis. And so meeting this, this guy from New York City who's walking around campus in full leather just fascinated me. He and I thankfully became very dear friends during our college days. And he was the one that really started my introduction into the world of leather and BDSM. Because he was from New York, he had a, a, a much wider knowledge of what all of that meant. And so it just has progressed from there. And then, like I said, in, in the later 80s, in 87, 88, when I was uh, living here and working, I, I was fortunate enough to meet another guy who was also into the leather scene here in Memphis. And he and I were in a play together because I do some local acting locally in community theater. And I've dabbled in playwriting as well. And so I was so fascinated with leather and, and so fascinated with uh, wanting to become more involved and really experience what it was about. Uh, so Matthew uh, said, you know what? You're a good guy. Uh, I think your heart's in the right place. And I want to sort of act as a mentor for you and introduce you into the 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 BDSM leather community here in Memphis at the time. At that time, we had a, a, a true Levi leather bar that was a dress code enforced bar. So you had to look the part Right. Or the or the doorman would not let you in. And so Matthew said, you need to put on a pair of Levi's, preferably 501s. Wear your cowboy boots, because I, I wear cowboy boots a lot. Uh, a white t-shirt and be at my house uh, this time. And we're going to take you to, at that time, was called the Pipeline, was the bar here in Memphis. And he said, I'm going to introduce you into the world of leather here in Memphis. And that's how it all began for me, officially began for me. Uh, and Matthew uh, in turn introduced me to another friend of his, a man named Vance. And the two of them sort of really took me under their wing, made sure that I wasn't getting myself into a bad situation. Uh, they 
educated me on the basics on the you know the protocols of if someone is you know flagging uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the term flagging yeah but yeah flagging with bandanas uh, or keys on the left and then they're dominant on the right they're submissive um if you want to approach someone who's flagging left and you know at that time it was very common to uh, just common courtesy you do you know you didn't just sort of walk up and insert yourself into a situation uh without you know taking the proper steps of you know sir may i speak with you and you know you know just simple common courtesy kind of things but anyway matthew and vance were just fantastic mentors for me and they really did help me integrate into the memphis uh leather scene in a way that i felt safe and i think that's very important especially for any young person who's wanting to enter into leather bdsm kink to do it in a safe sane and consensual way mm -hmm. is very important oh yeah back to the the ssc and and i love your point there because we're we're always espousing especially on the podcast for any scene that you're getting into we cannot you know stress enough how important it is to find a mentor that you're compatible with that is doing things in an educational way and in a safe way and to your previous point kind of losing that generation of potential mentors for this new generation coming in that's obviously a big blow and you know i, I think mentorship is important in any aspect of society whether you're talking about you know corporate professions or you know any sort of personal scene or especially yes. in the local community true very true so then that leads me to my question too of like how did um you know for those of us who are not quite in the know how did old guard and kink and bdsm specifically tie into the leather community or were they synonymous for me it seemed pretty synonymous it just was like a dear friend of mine he 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 was always like sort of uh, amazed with me he was like how are you not so totally afraid of all of these guys in leather you know these big guys in leather and i was like because i've got matt and vance here that are watching out for me even at a distance to make sure that i was having a good time and having fun and really starting to learn about the different you know kinks and uh of bdsm uh and at the same time doing it uh, you know making sure that i was was not ending up in a situation that could have been a really bad situation and by bad i mean you know something that could have been hurtful in a way that would have made me turn away from the leather bdsm scene um so yeah to me it was kind of synonymous so i hope that i hope that answers your question yeah, yeah absolutely so then what would you say you know at its core is old guard to you old guard to me uh at its core is really the protocols the very strict sort of 
protocol is in the hierarchy of, you know, this person is uh, like in a leather family, you would have someone who is the elder of the family who has vetted and introduced people into the family uh, along the way. So just that hierarchy of having an elder and then, you know, the stepping down of that and the protocols of, um, you know, if, if you're a submissive, uh, don't speak unless you're spoken to. Um, just the common courtesy, you know, protocol, protocol is just another word for etiquette. And a lot of times I think those etiquettes, etiquette in general just gets tossed out the window uh, because people are so quick to just sort of walk up and interrupt a conversation. So to me, the, the core uh, values of Old Guard that I really uh, admire, admired and still admire uh, is, is, that, is that sort of very ordered uh, way of going about things. So that, you know, so that there was not just chaos going on, uh, but yeah, the definite, you know, like I said, you know, having, having within a leather family, having an elder and then having that tear down from, you know, who, who's more dominant to the submissive to even going down to the level of being a slave. Um, right. Because people who identify as slaves, that it, it's very... It's very important to them that their that those protocols are followed because that is what is you know at the core of their being. Uh, so I, I I think I'm kind of rambling, but I, no, I, not I, at all. <laughs> I, I, I hope you're understanding my point. So for me, yeah, the the wonderful essence of old guard was just those protocols and just that everything was you know you you have a, a master and a slave or you have a sir and a boy or you have a dom and a sub or you have a handler and a pup uh pup play is much more a new a new guard thing but even back in that in my day in the older days that there were those who you know, more so we're into the like dabbling into it. Yeah, a little bit. dabbling yeah. into it a little, a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's it has grown and become a, a much bigger thing. See, and I love hearing this experience and those points because there's always been a lot of variation within protocols, right? Like the the MS dynamics and master slave dynamics have always been their own little brand of you know a niche part of the community. I will say one of the things that I found interesting to see coming from a high protocol background is in the current BDSM scene, we're starting to see a resurgence of high protocol behaviors and etiquette, um, you know, so that there is that mutual respect. And this is even by new guard practitioners who don't identify as old guard, who weren't trained in it, uh, who have no experience with like Gorian subculture or anything like that, which is separate. But we're starting to see some of those tenets and protocols being used in regular BDSM society now, which I personally enjoy because I like high protocol, but that's just me. <laughs> right. Are you, are you referring more in the, uh, 
straight community yeah, of BDSM? This is, this is more in the in my own personal experience in that kind of the heterosexual BDSM community that I'm more exposed to. Like we do have, um, you know, a, a lot of queer practitioners by pan and, you know, a few uh, gay male practitioners as well, but I'm not as well versed in that, in the especially in the leather community as I am with kind of straight BDSM. Yes. Well, that is fantastic to, to hear because it's it is still it within the, the the gay leather bdsm community there are still those of us who who do adhere and practice the old guard ways but it is like i said it is so diluted and it's so dissolved out of our culture or that's my experience i'll speak from my experience here in in memphis um we rarely, rarely see that anymore. So that that's good to hear that it is sort of you that you're sort of seeing a resurgence of it. Uh, that gives me hope that maybe uh, there will be a resurgence of it within the 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 gay leather community right. as well. I hope so. We twin and I had a video on TikTok that kind of went unexpectedly viral where we were talking about you know uh, old guard and whether or not it existed. Somebody was like, "Oh no, 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 it never existed." And I was like, "Well, you know, mm -hmm. you may not agree to the tenants or adhere to it. That's fine, but to say that it doesn't exist is disingenuous." That video hit half a million views and got a whole brand new generation of people talking about old guard, what it was, and all of that stuff. Well, and just to like the devil's advocate clarify he was he backtracked a little bit later and did say specifically that like old guard only existed in the gay leather scene that was his whole stance and da 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 uh, yeah and so that does sort of bring me to you know a point of asking like what in your experience do you think are or were the intersectionalities between old guard within the gay leather scene and perhaps like the um the the straight scene because i know when you and i talked on the phone we even specifically were mentioned briefly about like the old wonder woman comics and how dominant bdsm and all that was already prevalent in you know 40s and 50s within right. like the military veterans the motorcycle bars and things like that so where do you think you know in the history as far as you understand it do you think the intersectionalities were between like the gay and the straight leather kink old guard scenes that's a good question um and you know my experience being definitely within the the gay community and i know that there has been you know probably as much so within the uh hetero community uh the the whole dominatrix kind of thing and and and, and i may be totally wrong but this is just from my experience i i, I think that they sort of probably all grew from sort of the same place i think maybe the gay side of it grew a little faster because i think gay men are, tend to be a little more experimental you know uh, a, a, a little more open to things that are a little different and you know uh, not quite the norm uh, but at the same time, by the same same token, you know, just looking back, like you said, you know, the the you know powerful women 
and and the whole culture of you know the dominatrix uh, that that extends back some time as well. So I, I think they all grew from the same place. I think they just with gay men, it maybe grew a little quicker, moved a little faster. But now, in uh, definitely, I think that they're you know pretty much on par with each other within the gay community and the hetero community as far as people who are into the lifestyle and um, practice the lifestyle, live the lifestyle. Uh, and I think too, it, just because of our, our world being a tiny bit more open in thought, uh, people are able to express that a little more visibly than they once did. Yeah, I, I think that that there's always been that correlation between the two, that they've always existed. Um, and especially with the bisexuality, I think some of it has crossed the boundaries. Uh, people have, ex you know, experienced uh, BDSM kink from both sides of it because of people who are bisexual and, and, and enjoy, you know, from time to time, both. <laughs> So the the old guard having been, again, predominantly and fairly predominantly in the gay leather scene first, but it definitely like existed in all different aspects of the community. Yes, yes, I, I think so. Anyway, for, like I said, from from my perspective and from what I've known and the people and people I've known, uh, I think definitely it. it the old guard protocols, uh, yes, have been on both sides as far as as that goes. Right. And well, and in, and I know we're not going to get too much into it here because neither of you are practicing within this niche that I'm fixing to mention. But I know within like especially the Gorian subculture, that very much so came from old guard, but took on like a more, in my opinion, misogynistic sort yeah. of tilt that sort of heavily relied upon like that male female dynamic, correct? Yeah, I would. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm familiar with Gorian to a small extent, but yes, uh, twin, I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, and I, and, and especially when you say the whole thing about, you know, it being a, a lot more misogynistic. Yes. I, I agree with you there. <laughs> well, and it, oh, no, no, that was, it was a great point. And, you know, it's one of those things we always talk about, you know, kink and BDSM for the most part, especially in the new guard scene, being so uniquely customizable to the people involved with the dynamic. You know, it's kind of almost become a choose your own adventure. You know, I like this part of this background and this part of this one. I'm going to kind of form it into something brand new, which I love, you know, do what works for you. Don't shame someone else's kink. But it does lead me into uh, some of the conversations that Twin and I have been having personally on something like the Leatherman's Handbook that came out in 1972. I know some of our followers, you know, had a problem with some of the Gorian philosophy because it came out of a fictional book written by an author and because of that misogynistic bent. What's been your experience with both, you know, the Leatherman's Handbook in the 70s and I think the new one's called the Leatherman's Protocol Handbook in the 90s? Was that a part of the community or the culture at all or was that just a, a fun flight of fancy? <laughs> no, I honestly think that, um, yeah, 
because I, I've I've read both books, uh, and I do believe that, as we've been saying, that from a individual point of view, that the context of of both of those books are were very real. And I know in my experience, both as a sub. Um, being trained as a boy when I first entered into the community, and then also as a sir, as I've grown in within the community, that the context of both of those books definitely exist. The things that the uh, authors talk about in both of those books, uh, which, you know, a, a lot of that is from their own personal journey. So, yes, those things do exist. And I think they still exist to a degree, a, a lesser degree now, because as you were just saying that with the new guard, it is, okay, I'll cherry pick this and I'll cherry pick this and I'll take a little bit of this and I'm going to mesh those three things together and this new thing blooms. And so, whereas in my experience, uh, especially as a young man being trained as a boy, it was very, you know, laid out for me in my training uh, so that I would be the best boy I could possibly be, especially in a public setting. As a sir and the boys I've trained through the years, I used what I was taught and pass that down to them so that they can know where it all stems from. But being married to a man now who is 23 years younger than me, and he is much so much more flexible and more new guard, it's helped me to loosen up a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, I tend to be very strict. Uh, so it's helped me loosen up a bit and see that while it may not be my cup of tea, I can understand how cherry picking these little things and then creating your own new thing uh, is just the natural progression uh, of, of the generations. Yeah, it's that natural evolution of things. Yes. Okay. So then, I mean, age aside, how, I mean, because obviously you being trained by sirs that had come up with the earliest versions of Old Guard, you know, how do you think regions even played a factor, you know, pre-internet, um, you know, pre-social media and all that? How do you think the the regions and then the lack of accessibility to information um affected old guard bdsm you know the the community as a general yes uh regionally i i think there was a lot of um disparity uh amongst the leather groups leather clubs leather men in general uh, because of just the lack of access to certain information, uh, you know, thankfully there were books uh, available uh, and, 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 you know, magazines, you know, drummer, you know, what would some would 
be considered, I guess, you know, porno magazines and stuff that did lend itself to educating a little bit. But yes, with regionally, I think it was very different. People that lived in in New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles or Dallas, even, you know, bigger areas like that that had much more visibility and access to the information. I think they were able to be a little more progressive, whereas regions like Memphis, uh, uh, New Orleans, or, you know, Georgia, Atlanta, things were a little slower to drip down. Uh, information was a, not as widely available. The people who were involved in leather BDSM in motorcycle clubs, uh, for example, uh, just sort of gleaned information from those that they would come in contact with when they would be on these big uh, runs, motorcycle runs, uh, where they might have the pleasure of meeting someone from a larger city who could pass along the information and say, hey, you know, there's this book by this person and this will provide you with a little more information. So I think there was a lot of, yeah, disparity uh, and that what region you were in really did play a part in your personal education of leather and BDSM and kinks. Um, and I'll just make a quick point here. It's like the East Coast would be flagging and they would be like if if it's the left it's dominant and it's the right it's submissive but another region might say no if you're flagging right you're dominant if you're flagging left you're submissive so yeah it's it's uh, there was a lot of disconnect and a lot of people sort of creating their own set of rules uh for their area because that's what that's just how you learn you know right. and like like said you know with with um leather runs well motorcycle runs that have now become leather runs i think that did help people a lot because you could meet people from other areas that could help educate you a little more uh on kink and on protocols and and, and different things mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, you know, I came up on the, on the West coast, so leave it to the West coast, always do something different from other regions. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. And I've, I've been riding motorcycles since I was 19. And so my first introduction to a lot of the handkerchief color code was just from riding bikes and meeting people from other areas. Cause I had zero clue about that. And so, you know, they would teach me about what all the colors meant and what side and everything. And that was a, a whole foreign world to me when I was 19, 20 years old, starting to ride bikes. So I can definitely see how both, you know, the motorcycle world and the gay leather world have influenced each other and, you know, borrowed a lot of the same, yes. you know, codes and protocols from both. So to me, just from a purely sociological perspective, that is just fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and yeah, it's, it, it is fascinating, but I, I, I think back to how confusing that must have been for a lot of people. Because if you're from the East Coast and you're flagging one way, but and you're visiting California, then your your way of communicating silently 
is kind of interrupted because suddenly you're being perceived as something you're not um, because of the differences in which side means what. So thankfully through, you know, information becoming more widely available now it's it's much more universal that if you flag left you're dominant if you flag flag right uh right you're submissive so thankfully those uh mixed messages don't happen quite as much as much now as they once did well and even the Mm -hmm. swinger community uses something similar you know with the wristband system if you're going to events and things like that and you know twin and i went to kind of an event recently where they didn't have the wristband system and i was like this just does not work as well especially for people that don't want to be approached and are just there you know trying to get gain an introduction into the community that color-coded system helps out a lot (laughs) yes (laughs) yes Uh, Yeah, I can. uh, Yes, definitely. (laughs) And that is a perfect stopping point for this week's episode. But make sure you guys come back next week as we go more in depth with Den. And as always, be sure to give yourself grace, love, and patience. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And as always, go out and do some dope shit. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.